Did you have a wonderful Christmas? Did you enjoy time around uh, with your families and friends and had uh, great meals together? Did you end up rushing around a little bit uh, in preparation of the day uh, and uh, make your way through the malls or the stores? Uh, Did you have to do any last-minute shopping? Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you took too hard our message for the month. Uh, Spend less, give more, love all. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed this Christmas around your family and friends. Hopefully you uh, uh, interpreted it maybe slightly different this year and you got some benefit. My family um, gathered together at my house this year. We had a great time together. Uh, It's been a long time since we've had a bunch of us together. Uh, Had some cousins come from Costa Rica, so we had a lot of fun together. But in preparation of, I made my rounds just to make sure I had enough supplies and when you need a lot of supplies for a large family, uh, I don't know how many we were, somewhere in the neighborhood of 45, 50 people in my house uh, on, right, Mom? Yes, yes, my mom was there. Um, when you need large supplies, uh, there's only one place you got to go. There you guys are. Did I see you guys there? Um, and uh, so I, I, I made it to Costco just to make sure, you know, we had enough paper plates or all the supplies. And it was a madhouse in there. But I love shopping at Costco uh, any time of the year, not just because you can get things in large bunches, but because they have a fantastic return policy. Do you know what it is? Oh, I've memorized it. If at any time, yes, Costco fully stands behind every product we sell. If at any time you are dissatisfied with your product, simply bring it back for an exchange or a refund. Um, which is a fantastic policy that I have uh, taken advantage of many times. But I've noticed that lots of other companies and lots of other stores do not have the same policy. In fact, this particular Christmas, as I made my way around trying to spend less, I uh, went through the front door of any store that I went to and went directly to the back, because everyone knows that in the back is the, that's right, the, the clearance section. The clearance section is tucked off in the back. And, and, and when you get there, you start to look for stuff that was, you know, discounted. Not just 10%, 30%, but we're looking at 60%, 70% off anything that you could find that's really, really low. But one of the things that I found is when you get back there, some of those tickets have a little, little printed thing on them that says, oh, you saw the final sale. It's something that's new. Now, we live in North America, in Southern California. We're used to, we're a shopping culture. We're a culture of services, and our economy is based on buying and selling. So we're used to having really good, like I said, return policies wherever you go. But of late, stores have been getting smart. They've been putting the little final sell. If you're going to get a good deal on this, it's a done deal. (laughs) Final sale. And when you get to the front... I, this was fascinating to me because I was buying some party supplies, you know, put a little streamers or whatever for the house. And when I get to the front, the lady said, just so you know, that she looked at me in the eye. No returns, no exchanges. And they make you initial it on the receipt. It's like, whoa, you know? So when you're about to pay money for that, you think twice. Because I've gotten used to the idea that if it doesn't work out and if it's too big, if it's too small, if it doesn't fit or they don't like it, If you give a gift this Christmas and you're not quite sure, you put a little gift receipt in it. But not when you're buying certain things. They put no returns, no exchanges, final sale. So when you get ready to swipe that car or hand over those bills, you got to think twice. you got to think, do I really want this? (laughs) Am I really going to keep this? There's no taking chances once it's a final sale. Because you can't make a mistake if it's a final sale. You can't... uh, 
uh, uh, buy something that is not going to fit the occasion. You can't give something that's too little or, like I said, too big because it's final sale. No returns, no exchanges. I don't know. It makes me, makes me a little nervous when I get to a store and it says final sale. I think twice. It might be a good deal, but is it a good deal after all? Because it doesn't matter how little you pay for it. If no one's going to use it, it's wasted money, right? That's not how some of you think. Some of you think, hey, it's a sale. <laughs> Just get it. Pick it up. I got a good deal on it. But no one can use it. So what? I got a good deal on it. No returns, no exchanges. It made me think about how our society works when you make a mistake. Because I think that one of the fascinating things about uh, the, 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 the holiday season, about being with your family, is, is that all year long we might be thinking about them. We might uh, actually look forward to spending some time with them. But often, often when the family does finally get together, some things seem to rise to the surface. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some old hurts, some history, some things from the past, some experiences, some places. And this is where your human policy begins to show itself. Because I think, and I've watched and I've witnessed, but I think that some of us have a human exchange policy. When somebody makes a mistake, we say, no returns, no exchanges. We keep it in a book. This is what you did to me, and I will forever hold you accountable for what you did. And it tends to show up when family sticks around for a little more than a few hours. Am I right? <laughs> Don't say amen, but I know I'm right. <laughs> I know I'm right. The first few hours, oh, hello, so good to see you. But after a while, they make that comment that they usually make, or they give you that look, or that little sneer, or the little side joke, and then you remember what you had kept in the book. You remember the deep hurts and the things that you've, you remember the things that cause friction. You remember why you only invite them around once a year for Christmas. We have this human exchange policy when it comes to the, the decisions that we make in relationship to what other people do to us or what we do to them. And oftentimes, when we're trying to negotiate the, the, the relationships of life, we want to exact some, some measure of repercussions in order to forgive someone for what they, what they have done. We might say to someone, not audibly, but in our minds, if I'm going to forgive you, you have to prove yourself. So our exchange policy might say, if you don't mess up for the next five years, I'll let go of what you did six years ago. We might say to someone, when you finally come through and start pitching in around the house, I might let you go for freeloading off of me when you were in your you know, in your 20s. We might say to someone, the things that you did to me, I don't know if I'll ever forgive you. We don't say these things audibly, but they, they're evident in our relationships because that's how we are. It's tough for us to forgive. And if we're going to forgive, we want some, something in exchange. We want to exact our human return and exchange policy. We want some measure of, of, of uh, validation. We want some measure of vindication. We want some measure of, of justification so that they know what they did and they know that we were right and that they were wrong. And we want everyone else to know it as well. And it just kind of seems to pop up around holiday time because that's when family is close by. See, here's the thing about family that you and I both know. They're the people closest to us Therefore, they are the people that can hurt us the most. Amen? I don't know why it is. It's just what it is. They know you more intimately. Therefore, they know exactly where to 
cut. Exactly what words to say that will make you feel a little insecure. Exactly what stories to bring up about your past that you didn't really want brought up anymore. It's something about family that, that we love them. We can't, we only have one family, but they're the ones that seem to kind of get closest to our places that are, that are most delicate. And so it is that we find it even harder to forgive them than most other people. It's one of the saddest things about the holidays when family do come together is that some of these old hurts and, and old relationships seem to rise to the surface. And uh, I, my friends and I, we talk, you know, we usually debrief, how was your Christmas? Oh, let me tell you, you know, mother-in-law's issues and these issues and, oh, the brother-in-law came in, this is what he said. Oh, oh, we debrief, we talk about it. And invariably something comes up that rehashes something from the past in an old story. It's hard to forgive those that are closest to you. It's really tough because, like I said, we want to be vindicated. But the fact is that the greatest gift that God has given to us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, is the supernatural ability to forgive. God created and put in place a return policy. Do you want to know what it is? God said, in the blood of Jesus Christ, you can bring to me any mistake, any past hurt, anything that you've done, any sin. You can bring that to me, and I will wash it all away. And in exchange, I'll give you my son's righteousness. Jesus said it himself. Though you remember this. Though your sins be red as scarlet, I can make them white as snow. Whatever burden you're carrying, give to me, and I will give you my burden, which is light, God says, I send you my son, and I'm giving my son in exchange. The Bible calls it ransom, in exchange for your mistakes and your sins. God puts into motion in the birth of Jesus Christ the best return policy in the universe. God says, you make the mistakes, but I'll trade them. I'll give you my son's unblemished blood in exchange for all of your mistakes. And then you can walk around with his righteousness and he will take the punishment for your mistakes. Do you know that the Bible talks about this in a very unique way uh, um, in, in, in the book of Revelation? You brought a Bible with you. We're going to take a brief look there. Pop it open. We are in uh, Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5 is, is a vision that John had about the future, about essentially how God brings this full plan into culmination. And Revelation chapter 5 says that uh, John looked up and he says, Then I saw, verse 1, uh, if you brought a Bible, if not, there's one in the pew right in front of you. If it looks like this, and it's in page uh, 1030. Uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Then I saw the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, and a scroll was written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, verse 2, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven and on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Ellen White says that this book, this scroll written all over, front, no, nowhere, no more room is the history of, world, of the world. Stories of kings and kingdoms, nations, 
Everything done, everything recorded in the existence of humanity and God's interaction with humanity. The story of us is written in these scrolls, sealed with seven seals. And she says, essentially, this is, the, this is God's account of everything that has happened. And the Bible says here, when John looks up and he says, I saw the story of us, everything that we did, and it was sealed with seven seals, and no one under earth was worthy enough to read the scroll. No one under earth uh, or under heaven or in earth was able to open the scroll. And I began to weep loudly. And verse 5, and one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Stop. For behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scrolls and its seven seals. And the Bible says that between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, set on into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated. And we had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, and the prayer, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Listen to the song. And they said in their song, Worthy are you to take the scrolls and open the seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. And you have made them into a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. The Bible talks about in the culmination of God's plan, the lamb, the one that we celebrate at Christmas, come as a baby in a manger, born amongst lambs, that lamb finally taking his place, coming opening the scrolls because he is the one, the only one, who gave his blood unblemished as ransom in exchange for us, for our mistakes, for the things that we've done to hurt our family members, for the things that we've done to destroy other people's self-confidence, for the things that we've done to undermine our friends. The lamb ransomed all of that. What would you give in exchange for your, for your life? How much do you think your life is worth? How, much, how big a ransom do you think it would take to redeem or, or pay for all the things that you've done wrong? Or just for your life? I searched the internet a little bit and there are conflicting accounts, but the largest uh, ransom ever paid, it was, what do you think? Uh, how much is that? The, the one I found was $77 million paid for a wealthy Hong Kong tycoon in 1997. $77 million actually paid. Would $77 million be enough to pay off all of your mistakes? Or of our little church? Would $77 million go far enough to make right everything that you and I have done wrong? I don't know. Would $77 million be enough for you to forgive someone who has deeply hurt you? Could they say, look, I know what I did. Here's some $77 million, so now I'm, you can't hold it against me anymore. Would that work, Jason? Yeah, you're done with that? Okay. <laughs> Everyone has their price, right? <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't know. I think there are some of us that are holding on to some things that no amount of money could force us to let go. And you know what happens when you hold on to that? It doesn't so much hurt them. It hurts you. It hurts us. God knew that. God knew the way that we would hurt each other. God knew those of us that offend others and those that are, of us that are offended have these, this, this situation that our relationships are broken. And God is in the business of redeeming, restoring, atoning, at oneing. God is in the business of reconciling us to each other and to him. And for that reason, God says, I will send my son. And my son will ransom you, will redeem you, will pay with his own blood and with his own body in exchange for everything that you, humankind, have done, are doing, and will do. It's a fantastic vision of God's love for us. The New Testament says this is how much we know that God loves us. That while we were sinners, when we did not deserve it, he sent his son. And his son came, became God in the flesh, lived and walked among us was hurt and ridiculed by people just like us, is hurt and ridiculed today by you and me when we disrespect, dishonor, and disregard what he did and who he is in our lives. And we'll, be continue, we'll, we'll continue to be dishonored every time you and I walk away from him and disrespect his blessings. But God says, even so, I will send my son. Even so, I will send my son. And Jesus said, when he gathered together with his disciples, as he was approaching the physical act, he said to them, take and eat, this is my body, and take and drink, this is my cup. For this is my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. It's a fascinating story of a, of, a, of a God who embodied himself into our lowly form, knowing full well what he was going to do. He was going to spill out his blood so that you and I could be ransomed in his exchange. What an amazing God, right? What an amazing Jesus that he would, he would lay it down. That he would not consider us too insignificant, not one of us too insignificant to lay his life down. That he would not be so hurt and offended because you know what? Because we're family with him, you and I. You know, Jesus says, uh, you're not my servant. I, I call you friends. We are heirs with him because we're family. You know what? We know how to hurt him the deepest. Do you know that? The world out there who doesn't know Jesus, they do things that disrespect Jesus, but they don't know. But you and I know what hurts Jesus, you and I know who he is, and when you and I do it, it hurts him. God is pained. God is pained. The Bible, that, that the scroll, the story of God's interaction with us, is painted with lines written in God's tears. When God looks upon us, upon humanity, upon our forefathers, and he says, how can you do this to me? Why do you keep turning away from me? when all I want to do is love you. Return unto me. That's the message of the entire Old Testament. Return unto me. 
and I will bless you. I will be your God. That's the whole message of the New Testament all the way through Revelation. I want to be your God. I want to bless you with my presence. I want to wipe away your tears. I want to exchange your stone heart for a heart of flesh. I want to exchange all your offenses for forgiveness. I want to exchange all your grievances for joy. All the things that are weighing you down and keeping you down. I want to take that. I want to love it. Return unto me. When you and I participate in the emblems of communion, we are both looking backwards and accepting God's grace for what we have done. And we are looking forwards in anticipation of what God will ultimately do for all of humanity. For Jesus said right there in Matthew, he says, you drink this cup, eat this bread, and I promise you, I will wait and do it again together with you in the kingdom. God loves us. This no return, no exchange policy, that's not how he operates. He says, return unto me at any time. No matter what you've done, no matter how you've been hurt, return unto me and I will exchange your pains and your hurts with my righteousness and my love and my forgiveness. Amen? Amen. Amen.